Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 304, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And oh, I don't know if we were entertained and dazzled by the Dallas Cowboys game today. It's a positive outcome. They win. They're 5-2. They have one more game until the bye. A lot to get into about the defense. Dak is back. Did it really matter for the offense? But... Before we jump into all things Cowboys, as many of you know, we got to tell you about Robert Greening and the Green team there at Greening Law. I will tell you this, having been hurt in a car accident and being a client of Greening Law, I can tell you straight up, if you found yourself in a car accident, if you were injured on the premises of a business, your first call on Monday morning needs to be to Robert Greening and the Green team. See if you've got a case, because when they bring you on, the stuff that they take care of and handle behind the scenes so that you can just focus on going to doctor's appointments, chiropractor's appointments, whatever the case may be, working on getting better, I'm telling you, man, they are your fierce legal competitor against these insurance companies. No, I don't don't think there's any doubt about it. And as Matt has told you, there's only one thing to do if you've been in an accident or you've been hurt. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether it's a car accident or at a business or at a complex, you know, like an apartment building. It doesn't matter. Pick up the phone and call 972-934-8900. Ask for the green team and say, hey, here's my situation. What do you think? And if you listen to Matt, who doesn't want somebody to hold your hand and walk you through the process? They can be really tedious and kind of complicated. That's exactly right, man. And again, that call is free. The consultation is free. So if you think you've got a case, give them a call. 972-934-8900. It's 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. Man, this was a game, uh, a tale of two halves, really. I mean, let's be honest. I don't know what the hell we watched in the first half, but that was one of the most boring halves of football that I can recall ever seeing. I mean, I'm serious. I mean, the defense made some plays. But my God, offensively, both these teams, it was just ugly to watch. Well, see, I thought the Lions were actually being pretty effective. It was the Cowboys' defense that was kind of slowing them down at the end, forcing them to kick field goals. But they looked to be a little more fluid than me, than the Cowboys. And, and I described it this way a couple times, talking to friends of mine and, and a couple of things I wrote on Twitter. It just looks clunky, man. It didn't matter whether – and here's what it was. You know, maybe Dak was missing people, okay, 
or maybe receivers were dropping passes, okay, or they were getting five-yard procedure penalties or whatever, okay. All of these are drive disruptors, and then they couldn't convert third and short a couple different times, and it's just like you guys are just terrible on offense, man. It's the, I, mean, I don't know how the defense and special teams just don't get depressed. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be rough. I mean, again, you go – Four four drives into the game at this point at six and three. Three of those four drives, the Cowboys had a a total of minus ten yards on three of their first four drives. And then that that third drive that they had was the one that they ended up getting the field goal on. And it's just, I mean, you look at this offense, and, and we'll just start with that and go through this, man, because you talk about a team, and you and I have talked about this multiple times. It was either the Philadelphia game or the game before that. You see this where Dak comes in, throws a really nice pass between two defenders to Lamb for a game of 24. All they can get out of is a field goal. They had another one on their fifth drive at the end of the first half. Dak throws a dart to Lamb for a gain of 21, and nothing comes of that. I mean, just how many times they have these big explosive plays? I mean, hell, they had a punt after the Turpin 52-yard return when they started a drive in Detroit territory, and they couldn't even get a field goal out of that. And that was just a backbreaker, right? I mean, when I say backbreaker, I mean, they had a chance to really kind of open it up right then because you could tell from the way that the defense was playing, Detroit wasn't going to score more than one more touchdown, if that. And so I kind of had Detroit maxing out at 13. So it was, what can you do to get more than 13? Or maybe 14 if you throw in a two-point conversion. But what can you do to get there? And I thought the punt return was like, oh, game's about to be over. And no, they couldn't do it then. No, they couldn't do it then. And that's what, again, you go back and, and, and we'll get into the defense, but it is the defense that is keeping this team in games. I mean, again, five takeaways, multiple times, like you talked about with special teams on the Turpin return. You look at some of these opportunities that Dallas had throughout the course of the game, and a lot of what happened good for their offense was direct results for the most part of what the defense was doing to set the offense up. I mean, you, you go to the first half, they had 12 plays for 72 yards was the one long drive in which they had the field goal. And then they had the other one with the fumble at the end there, seven plays for 70 yards. You know, they did have coming out of halftime was easily, that might be the best drive we've seen them have all year. Seven plays right down the field, 82 yards. You saw Zeke run it really well with a gain of 19 at one point, another gain of 18. Tony Pollard had a 28-yard run. And they ended up getting the pass interference call in the end zone and then Zeke up the middle. They just ran right down the Lions' throat. On that one drive to open the second half, they had 54 yards rushing after only 52 yards rushing the entire first half. It, was, it, was, it looked like a completely different offense. And, and one of the things, man, and I just said this, what do you think? I thought that was Zeke's best run in, uh, in a couple of years. Yeah, it was nice. And I, and, you know, because he got the hurdle and he maintained his balance and then he kept going. And I was like, oh, my, this is vintage Zeke right here. Probably since he had that 40-something yarder against uh, Carolina a couple years ago. Uh, I can't remember what, but it was a couple years ago. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, see, I thought that's when they were like, okay, it's 10 to 6. You got a chance. And what happened? They got the punt. They got the, you know, they got him yeah. to go a couple first downs, but then they put him out. They get the punt return. They're at Detroit 41. And I'm like, oh, here's your knockout punch right here. Special teams just gave you the ball in a position to, to end the game. Because Detroit, once they had to become one-dimensional, you saw what happened in the fourth quarter, right? Yeah. 
if you go up 17 to 6 right there, everything you saw in the fourth quarter happens at, from that moment on, six minutes left in the third quarter. It all happens after that. Uh, but, Doug, when they couldn't score, man, you know, um, it, it just maintained and remained the game. Yeah, and that's, that's what was so insane, man, is that you just think about that. The Cowboys come out, and again, they go right down the field to open the second half. They're up 10-6. to six. You have that huge return like you talked about. You get a punt. And then the Cowboys continue to do this where the Cowboys defense holds and gets the fumble recovery on the goal line by Tank. Then the Cowboys, on the very next possession, I mean, Dak has, it, it didn't go for 20, it went for 19 on the rollout pass to Pollard. Then they run Pollard twice in a row. They can't convert a third and one, and they punt again. And, and you're just sitting here going, I mean, what do we have to do with this thing? Because <laughs> at that point, man, I was really thinking like, Man, this guy's got everything it feels about a 13 to 10 yeah. loss. Yeah. I mean, it just had that vibe going because you're like, you're not putting them away, and all they need is one play. And then I had this thought, and it was the same thought I had in the game against the Eagles. Um, 20 to 17, uh, Dallas is clawed back, fought back, and they need to stop. And the Eagles go, you know, 15 plays, seven minutes, and right. go up 26 17. And for real, bro, I was sitting here thinking about the game while it was going on. I'm like, elite defense, your offense, no matter what we say about them, no matter how shitty we say they are, no matter what we say, they have given you a lead with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Elite defense, somehow, some way, you got to bring it on home. And uh, I was like, they're not going to do it. You know, Detroit's at the goal line. And I'm just thinking, here we go. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, too. But they were able to make those plays, and they were able to get it done. You know, again, you look at the offense, and we talked about this on the podcast this week. I don't think either of us expected that Dak's return, all of a sudden this offense was going to become this explosive offense or look much different than what we have seen it look, simply because we saw how rusty Dak was in week one after not playing at all in the, re in the preseason. We knew that he hadn't played at all in the last few weeks, barely played this season. He was rusty, and he was rusty, it feels like, for most of the game. He got away with a couple of really bad throws into triple coverage a couple of times that probably should have been picked off. His first throw, obviously, I mean, Noah Brown's wide open and is just a god-awful throw. But reality of it is, he only had six incompletions today. He was 19 of 25 for 207 yards. He officially did not have any turnovers, only get sacked a couple of times. And all in all, as the game progressed, it felt like he started to get better. And Romo kind of talked about that on into the fourth quarter. He started to look a little bit better. That's kind of what I expected to see from Dak. I, I didn't expect anything miraculous. I didn't think we would see, oh, my God, look at Dak. Like, he's just ready to roll. As Romo continually said throughout the broadcast, it, it, he needed a game. He needed to get through an entire game and get this one under his belt. And you move forward from that. But all in all, I thought Dak, and I think it was Nance who said this maybe or somebody, I thought he was solid. He was not spectacular. I don't even know if I'd say he was good. He was about average today, but that was good enough. No, he wasn't good today. Uh, he missed too many throws to be good. Even though his um, his numbers in these, actually the bottom line numbers he had were really more like Dak rookie year numbers. Because they didn't, because they went through the ball twenty five times. Um, I think that's because the run got to working in the second half, and Kellen Moore just decided, oh, you know what? I am supposed to win with defense and special teams. Uh, but he wasn't good today. Um, 
And so, uh, you know, I'm not really all that surprised because don't forget, dog, not only did he miss five games, he did not play in the preseason. Right. So he hadn't really played any real football three quarters, you know, since training camp started, if we're going to be honest about it. Uh, I expect him to be much better next week and then even I figure he'll be what he is, you know, a couple weeks from now. Uh, but the good thing is they got uh, Chicago next week, and so that's another team that struggles on offense. So no matter how bad you are, they shouldn't run away from you. You should be in the ball game. Yeah, I, and we'll see. He's going to need some time, and, and you and I both talked about that through the course of the week. Let, let's get through Detroit. Let's get through Chicago. Give Dak a couple of weeks back. Get him in some action. Get him flowing, and then we'll see what he looks like in the back part of the season after the bye. I'm not really expecting to see much from him in, in the two games before the bye. You just want to win, which is what they did today. All in all, the offense, like you said, it's clunky. It's really weird. They put up 330 yards of total offense. They came in averaging 300, and they put up 5.6 yards per play officially. They came in averaging five, which was one of the worst in the league. And, you know, if you can do 5.6 yards per play regularly, offensively, you're going to end up being okay. But they have got to, I mean, three out of nine on third down, only 33%. And just... I don't know what's going to change, man. I, I mean, I really don't. Maybe Gallup will continue to get more in the rhythm. I mean, he's been virtually invisible since he's come back. I, I don't know what we're expecting to see any different. Well, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to be like this, but I'm going to be like this. Nobody expects him. I mean, he's, he's what is he? He had the surgery in February. He's eight months removed from ACL surgery, and he's playing – but we all knew it's not like he's going to come back and be dynamic Michael Gallup. It's going to take him a minute. And when I think about a minute, I mean, you know, six to eight weeks, bro, just to get that far removed from the injury till you start feeling a little normal, get back in it, um, you know, find some explosion to get in and out of breaks, that, that sort of thing. Uh, and so, again, as I repeat myself, bro, that's why I just felt like it was dumb to trade Amari Cooper because, yeah, yeah. again, you're waiting for a guy to come back from an ACL, and you you shouldn't expect him to be that dude as soon as he comes back. Uh, but you know we we've we've talked about that that nauseum, as they say. Uh, I don't know how this offense is going to be better because again they just don't generate big plays in the passing game. Man, Ceedee Lamb had a couple today; nobody else did, and uh, you can't count on twenty yard runs every week. Although Tony Pollard's pretty consistent about it, but still, bro. They, if you're not going to find ways to create big plays in your offense on a regular basis, it's just incredibly hard to score. Yeah, and it, it feels like at some point you look at this, you're seven games into the season. I mean, this is not a small sample size. We're almost at the halfway point. After Chicago coming up next week, you're essentially at the halfway point. I know there's 17 games. Eight's not exactly half of 17, but you get the point. I, I just don't know. There's no magic solution coming. Dak is going to be better, which you would think would allow the offense to be marginally better. I just don't think there's any magic solution on the way. What works is what we saw today. This is how they want to play football. I think the split with Tony Pollard and Zeke, they've done a really good job of figuring that out this season. Tony Pollard today had 14 touches for a combined, when you combine it with his rushing output, he ended up with, what is that, 109 yards on his 14 touches. And Zeke had 15 for 57 and the two touchdowns and, and, and got some of that hard yardage that they ask of him. So I, I guess that's a positive with the offense. I mean, it, it finally feels like they know how they want to balance out Pollard and Zeke. No, I mean, I think we've been looking for that for a long time. Yeah. 
some of it is you just have to be you have to be in situations where you can run the ball, which means you're playing a game that's close. Uh, it's a it's a close ball game. You're in it. Um, you're converting enough on third down that you get to have additional series. Even though they were only three for nine today, they should have been more because they had a couple third and ones they didn't convert and a couple third and twos they didn't convert. Um, so the other thing is, dude, you're playing an awful running team. So, I mean, I think they're a little more committed to it than, than they would normally be. Yeah, I would agree. And that's what was so kind of wild about the first half. I mean, you look at the first half and I'm sitting there going, man, this is the worst rush defense in the NFL. And you guys, I think at that at halftime, they had thrown it one more time than they had run it. And they weren't really having a lot of success running it. And that's why, you know, you're sitting there going, I mean, let, let's get back to that. Let's do this more. And then they come out in the second half and in that first drive, I'm sitting there going, well, where was this in the first half? Well, I mean, I think, um, I think, I don't think it's an excuse. I think it qualifies as a reason that, uh, you know, the Lions are coming off the bye, bro. They had a chance to, to trick up some things and everything you look on tape, they're showing you different looks than what you normally get. And maybe it took them a half to figure out what exactly it, is, huh? it was that they were doing and come up with a plan to counter it. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that's, and I don't think that's an excuse. I think that's kind of, yeah. could be a reality of it. Yeah, it could be. And then, you know, to your point with the receiving game, when it's just C.D. Lamb and spares, and that's just reality of what they're dealing with right now, I mean, Michael Gallup didn't have a catch today. He was only targeted twice. You look at how this was broken down. Noah Brown had five for 50. Dalton had five for 49. Pollard had two for 26. Hendershot had two for five. Ferguson had one for seven. And then C.D. with four for 70. But the point being, twice that he didn't have catches to C.D. Lamb. He had six targets. The other two were when Dak tried to just zip it into triple coverage. And that's what we're seeing all these teams do. And we've talked about this. When you don't fear anybody else, they're going to do what they can to try to bracket C.D. Lamb and take him away from the offense and, and say, okay, we'll let Noah Brown catch it. Or go ahead, Dalton Schultz. And you, you kind of see what this offense is as a result of that. Yeah, bro, which is why they're going to have to go get him a receiver in the draft, first round, second round. Well, they got uh, Jalen Tolbert, don't you know? <laughs> He's a big third-round pick, Jacques. I was going to say something pithy and something <laughs> smart-alecky. Uh, and then I was like, you know, whatever I say is going to be cruel to the young man, and I'm not sure that he's deserving of that. He didn't ask them to take him in the third round. That's, that's very true. He did not. Uh, but, no, they're going to have to go get him a real receiver, bro. Somebody in the first or second round uh, to, um, to, to put on the other side of the CD and, uh, and help them threaten folks. Yeah, they're going to have to do something because – you know, we've seen a couple of trades in the NFL that, that we'll get to here later on in the podcast, but Jerry's saying multiple times, you know, he thought there, he literally used Deion Sanders' names. I mean, he said if there's a Deion Sanders-type guy out there, then yeah, we'd go get him, but I wouldn't expect them to do anything at the trade deadline. This is what the offense is going to be. I think it'll be a little bit better as Dak gets more into a rhythm, but I don't think that anybody out there can expect much more out of what this offense is. We've got seven games of a sample size to look at it. Okay, I'm going to say this. They don't have to be great. You know, if the defense is going to give you the ball in scoring position, which is like anything from the 50 in, then you have to score touchdowns, bro. Not field goals. You have to really... And I say this, and y'all have heard me say this before. Uh, I'm just expanding it some. There comes a point in the game where it's there to be won. 
and the teams, not just certain individuals, but when when teams get good enough that they can recognize, oh, this is the game to be won right here. We better lock in and go win this thing with all our focus and everything. That's when you become a really outstanding team. And so what I'm saying is Dak and the offense have to really look at it and go, hey, they just gave us a chance right here, right now to put some points on the board. We got a short field. We have got to lock in on this drive and get this seven so that we ain't got to drive, you know, 80 yards for a touchdown. And so that has to be a real thought process for them, man. And if they could do that, you know, then, um, you know, perhaps they can score – because they don't have to score much with this team, man. All they got to do is get to 24. But, damn, that's hard to do. Yeah, apparently so. <laughs> I mean, it is it is wild to think. And I, I kept wondering that, like, for the bulk of the game until they finally got that touchdown later on. I was sitting there going, man, I mean, what else do you want this defense to do for you guys? I mean, what the hell else do you want this defense to do? You're going to have to score more than 10 points at some point. Well, I was going to say defense got to score. I mean, I guess so. Like, at some point, you're just like, okay, defense, you're going to have to be the offense as well. I mean, we're talking about a team, and we already know how putrid they are, and they're so bad at converting third downs. They came in as one of the worst five teams in the league in third downs, and they're going to leave one of the worst five teams in the league on third downs. They can't sustain drives. It's just, uh, Your word, I think, is you nailed it, man. If you, if you are describing this offense in one word, the word has got to be clunky. That's just what it feels like to me. It's, you know, it's, it's just stopping and starting. It's sputtering. You know, it's just not fluid. It's, uh, it's, and it's always something different. And so, you know, bro, it's, uh, it's just a, uh, it's an inconsistent unit right now. So they're really lucky to be five and two. Uh, but again, at one level, bro, I don't know that it is luck. They're, they're built on defense and special teams, and those two units have, um, have really thrived. And they have, to me, they got elite special teams, and they got elite defense, and you can win with that if the offense don't screw it up. As they did today, 24-6. to 6. I mean, this is a 5-2 and two team we're talking about, and we got to get into a look over at the defensive side of the football. But before we do that, I, I hope that you've ordered your bruise biltong and that you're hanging out, listening to the podcast, and you're snacking on some Bruce Biltong because it is fantastic. If you haven't ordered it yet, you will enjoy it. I promise you, if you have ever had beef jerky in your lifetime and you like, you like beef jerky, you will love Biltong. It's Bruce Biltong, B-R-U-S, B-I-L-T-O-N-G, BruceBiltong.com. That's where you go to order it. Promo code JAM15 for 15% off your order. You and I both like it, man. I mean, when we first tried Biltong, I'd never heard of it in my life until they approached us about coming onto the podcast. And I was like, well, yeah, can we try it? And they sent us some. I was like, oh, my God, this is legit really, really good. No, dude, and it's because it's un- – it's, it's, I don't even know how to describe it because it's not beef jerky, but it's got the same kind of flavor you would expect in some beef jerky. It's, yeah. like it's a lot more tender. It's a lot more succulent. It's, it's really even kind of juicy, which and you ain't never had nobody tell you beef jerky was juicy. But that's how it is, man. Me and Matt get down with the slice built on. Although the slab, don't sleep on the slab, bro. Yeah, slab's legit. Uh, that's very, very good. <laughs> Which is just a little thicker version of yeah. it. Yeah. You can cut it as thick or as thin as you want it. Uh, but that being said, man, it's, it's protein. It's a great snack. Y'all know how I like to get down. And it's uh, 230 calories in a two-ounce pouch with 30 grams of protein. Wow. 
It's delicious, man. I mean, it really, really is good. So if you've ever had beef jerky and you're a fan of that, once you go to Biltong, this will be what you eat from now on. It's a South African air-dried meat. It's 100% air-dried beef. It's Brews Biltong. Check them out online. Promo code JAM15. Don't forget to use it at checkout. Also, of course, podcast made possible by Freeway Tire Shop from JR and his guys over there. As Jacques knows, I mean, whatever it is, man, we oil changes, tire rotations, the simple stuff, or like the major mechanical work that we need from time to time. JR takes care of you. He gets it done, and he stands behind his work. I mean, I don't know that you want anything else from a mechanic. I don't know that you would desire anything else. But the thing about JR, I take all my cars to him. Uh, I've trained my kid now to take his car over there whenever he's got problems. And it's uh, it's because I trust him, man. I, and if you can trust your mechanic just like you trust your doctor, just gives you peace of mind. That's all. I trust him to diagnose the issue, and then I trust him to use quality parts to fix the issue. And then I trust him, man, to charge me a fair price, which we know daggone well everybody doesn't do. And I trust him to stand behind his work. JR does that time and time and time again, bro. Not just for me, for everybody who comes to Freeway Tire. Y'all need to check him out. Trust me. You'll thank me later. He's five miles north of downtown, right off of 35 in Commonwealth. Tell me, boy, said, hey, and uh, yo, you'll get taken care of. It's Freeway Tire Shop, man. You can check him out online as well. Schedule an appointment. Request a quote at FreewayTireShop.com. This defense is fun as hell. I'll tell you that. And, and those of you that are, for whatever reasons, either not Cowboys fans or just assholes that are sitting there going, they're not elite, they're not that good, blah, blah. Okay, well, I mean, that's your own opinion. I, I, I think they're pretty damn good. This is a Detroit Lions team that had six possessions in the second half. They punted on one of them and had five turnovers on their other five possessions in the second half. The Cowboys, five takeaways today, a couple of interceptions, a couple of fumbles, all kinds of pressures, a team that does not give up a lot of sacks with the Detroit Lions, and the Dallas Cowboys were able to get five sacks, including two from the rookie Sam Williams. Micah got one. Donovan Wilson got one. Dorrance Armstrong got another one. I mean, this defense, we talk about it every week. I mean, it's just play after play after play. They've got depth. They rotate guys in. They got playmakers at all three levels of the defense. And again, they kept doing it and doing it and doing it today and then finally said, okay, fine, offense. Here's the damn ball super close to the goal line. Are you good? Um, I think for me, man, it was um – it's uh you know they they're just uh they got i think you hit it on they got a lot of playmakers right now a lot of different guys making plays and to me bro the game turned on um on the interception that trayvon diggs made yeah uh because one it gave him the ball and scored on a drive but two that was as beautiful a catch as you'll ever see <laughs> i mean he's laid full out fingertip grabs it snatches it and pulls it in, and I'm just like, oh, matter of fact, this is what I said when I saw the play. I said, what a catch. I didn't say what an interception. I was like, what a catch. Um, that dude, and you know, he didn't give up a lot of plays today. He's really turning into an all-pro caliber quarterback for real, not just because he's got a bunch of picks. And um, just about the time I said Michael Parsons hadn't done a whole lot today, you know, he just starts destroying people in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And... Um, Defense looked great, man. Uh, it was a little bit of a slow start, I think. Uh, but that second half, man, I mean, what else you want them to do, like Matt, Matt said? Uh, they weren't on the field for more than uh, four plays, five plays, except for one drive. I mean, it, it was just impressive. I mean, again, 
We're talking about the National Football League here. And and this is a league of teams, and some aren't very good, sure. But, like, again, the, the talent gap between these teams is not some massive hole. This is a Dallas Cowboys defense that in seven games now has only given up more than one touchdown in a game once. I mean, that's how good – that's what this defense is, does. It just shuts you down. This was a solid Lions offense. I mean, we spent the entire week talking about how poor this Lions defense was, but how good the Lions offense was. A team that had put up a ton of points and yardage on everybody they'd played outside of New England. And Dallas goes out, and all they do is hold them to six points, no touchdowns, five takeaways, and just 312 total yards. Not a hell of a performance. Uh, I remember what I was going to say, which is Jared Goff had only been sacked seven times in the yeah. first six games. And he got sacked five times by the Cowboys. Yeah, so they weren't, they were, you know, some of it obviously is they got a good offensive line, but the other part is he gets rid of the ball quick. He doesn't hold on to it very long. And the Cowboys, once they got it cranked up, man, and once they took care of the running game so that they, they weren't a dual threat offense, they just destroyed them up front. And um, I think we'd be remiss if you don't say, uh, at least for today, it's kind of a coming out party for Sam Williams, uh, the second round pick out of Ole Miss. Two sacks, two tackles for the loss, forced to fumble. Uh, he was uh, he was everywhere, bro. Yeah, he was, man. He was a beast, and I loved that draft pick. I remember when they made that. I was I, I was stoked about him, and it just is another one of those guys that you add to that rotation that keeps these guys fresh. And when they're in there, they're making plays. But all in all, I mean, we talk about this all the time. You know, you ask, what do you want from Detroit? Detroit came in with the number two offense in the NFL, averaging 411 yards a game. The Cowboys held them to 100 yards below their average. And Detroit came in averaging 28 points per game. And the Cowboys allowed them to have six. That's a pretty damn solid defensive performance all the way around. No, and, you know, we don't do this enough, and we probably should. That really is an outstanding way to judge um you know, how your defense is performing. It's how they hold teams to their average because teams come in wanting to do a certain thing and the more you can control them and take away what they like to do, want to do, love to do, the better your odds of winning. And so, yeah, I, that's a really good way to look at it. We should, I should start doing that more. Yeah, man, and, and that's where they're at. And, and it's just they're just fun to watch. And I know we say that all the time, man, but they, they, they just make so many plays. It's up front. It's the linebackers. It's Micah. I mean, Leighton Vander Esch was all over the field today. As we talked about, Trayvon Diggs, not only did he have that interception, I thought that was interesting because Nance and Romo kept like, they wouldn't let it go. And then, you know, Tracy, whatever her face is, down on the field, and they kept going back to that, like three plays after that pick. Like, well, I don't know why they didn't review it. I, I mean, Romo was saying, I, don't, I think they got away with one there. I thought it was a catch. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think they would have overturned it if they had reviewed it. The ball didn't touch the ground. No, and if it, if it did, you couldn't say it touched it in conclu- I mean, conclusively. I mean, there really wouldn't be any – there would be no way for you to overturn it. I thought it was a clean catch. I thought, yeah, there was too. space there for a second, but not nearly enough to even have real questions about overturning it. Or Which not. is why they didn't review it even through the commercial break because people were looking at it and nobody thought it wasn't a catch except for Romo and Nance apparently driving me nuts and then i'm like guys let it go it happened three plays ago (laughs) you know and and i will say hopefully jordan lewis got carted off so the fact that he didn't put any weight on that foot when they were helping him off the field i I haven't seen an update on that but that was a nice interception that he had hopefully he's okay 
But, you know, Micah, or not Micah, Trayvon almost had another pick in the game as well. When he, It's like he was baiting Jared Goff, and he made a break on that ball and was trying to run through and pick it and ended up knocking it down. I mean, this defense is just good, man. I mean, it, it, if you don't believe it, I don't know what to tell you because this is a really good defense. No, you're, you're right. And I think um, it's a point I talked about a lot last year, but it, it's really driving home this year. And you mentioned it, but it's, it's worth just emphasizing again. They literally have playmakers at every level. And at the, the cornerback level, they got an elite playmaker in Diggs. At linebacker, they got an elite playmaker in uh, Parsons. And with that defensive line rotation that they've got going, DeMarcus Ware is getting back up as being a, as being a playmaker. Um, DeMarcus that's not Lawrence. always. I mean, DeMar- who did I say? DeMarcus Ware. I was like, what? And I was like, surely you mean uh, yeah. Lawrence, yeah. Yeah, I do mean Lawrence. Yeah. Um, you know, he's back to making plays, man. I mean, he's always going to do what he do against a run because he's outstanding at that. And David Cantor is my boy, but you got him a $100 million contract because he sacked the quarterback and wreaked havoc on offenses, not because he stopped the run. Well, he's getting back to being a big-time playmaker, and you're starting to see him every week make plays. Uh, that fumble was a huge play that he made. He had a couple yeah. uh, tackles for loss early in the game. I mean, he was he was active early when Detroit was trying to do a little something. Yeah, he was, man. I mean, again, you see that. You see that with Tank. We already know what Micah is. You've got Sam Williams getting things done. It, it's just it, it just feels like every week. I mean, even like Anthony Barr, who we haven't really mentioned a lot this season, and I don't know why. I mean, Anthony Barr had a fumble recovery. He had six total tackles. He's one of those guys they picked up in training camp that is just really fits. And it almost it's almost like Dan Quinn finds these guys that he knows, oh, okay, yeah, if we get that dude, I can make him blossom with what I do. You know, again, Curse had a monster game again today. And you just go, I mean, down the Dorrance Armstrong had another sack today. You know, we, we have not missed Randy Gregory one iota with the production they are getting from everybody else and a guy that I was glad they didn't pay to begin with. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you can add Dante Fowler to that mix. Yeah, he had a couple yeah. plays today. And so what happened is everybody's making a play or two. And when that happens, uh, you know, everybody feels good about itself and your defense can thrive. And I think that's what you're talking about. Um, I don't know if you paid attention to it, but did you see – the, I mean, I know you saw it, but the sack where Donovan Wilson comes off the edge. Yeah, yeah. Dude, he made like a defensive end pass rush move to dip his shoulder and get up under the block. And I was like, yeah. dude. I mean, that was – you. I don't think – and here's why, I, here's why I stood out. I literally don't think I've ever seen a safety use a move like that to get to quarterback. Normally they may juke somebody and get there or they just come clean off the edge and get there. But I've never seen one – use a pass rush move like that where you actually dip your shoulder to go up underneath the guy like a defensive end would do. Yeah, man. I mean, it's just, it's impressive all the way around. And, and we've joked about it before and I've mentioned it. I mean, I love when the opposing offense has the ball because the Cowboys on defense are really exciting to watch. And, and it's because it's not just Micah. There's so many other players on this defense that make plays. They're fun to watch because you never know what's going to happen. Are they going to get a takeaway? Are they going to create a fumble? Is it going to be a pick? Are they going to get a sack? I mean, it's these guys play like a hungry unit, and we've got a seven-game sample size now. We'll see what happens, obviously. I mean, San Francisco's playing Kansas City today, so they'll probably give up some points. Only Buffalo and San Francisco have allowed fewer points in the NFL than Dallas. That most likely will change today where Dallas will be just behind Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 
this is a defense I feel like, and Romo kind of talked about this on the broadcast today. You know, you get into the playoffs, you need a run game. They've got two running backs, and you got to have a defense that can make some plays, and they've got that. So we'll see. But man, this defense is fun to watch. No, I think there's any doubt about it, man. And uh, here's the thing they've also playing so many young guys that their defense that should get better as we move deeper into the season. Uh, Sam Williams be exhibit A. you know, and uh, that's uh, – they got a chance, man. Um, I've talked about it a couple times, but you're right. Van Der Esch, to me, is having like a uh, a renaissance kind of season. Uh, team high 10 tackles yeah. today. And, uh, you know, he's playing good football, um, really good football. Uh, I think he's a guy who – now that you're not asking him to be a star, can really just kind of do his thing, and I think he's most comfortable being there. Yeah, I would agree, man. And it it just fits and it's fun to watch. And you mentioned special teams, the elite special teams. Maher today, I mean, just the one field goal. Nice. That's that's what you want him to do. It wasn't anything long or anything like that. But he's 15 of 17 on field goals this year. And man, the the only thing I ever, ever asked Maher to do was what? Just make the kicks you're supposed to make. make. I mean, those those 69 yarders, I mean, those are great. But, dude, those do me no good if I can't trust you to make 37, 41, 28. I mean, that's what I need you to do. 50 50 plus is just like, you know, after you finish, he says, hey, you want to go for another round? Oh, wow, there's a bonus. But, you know, I didn't show up asking for two, babe. Um, So, I mean, I think that's what it is. And then – don't underestimate Maher's kickoffs. You don't. You can't give up a bad kickoff return if the other team literally never gets a chance to return it. That's very, very true. That's very true. He's only man. given up one kickoff yeah. all year. Yeah. One kickoff return as we head into week eight. That's amazing. Which is also extremely underrated part of what he does. And and then staying with special teams. I mean, Kevante Turpin. I I got to tell you, as the MVP of the USFL, and we were curious about that. With yeah, you're fast and you're speedy in the USFL. But how will that train? I mean, that dude is the real deal and is a special level returner. He had the 52 yard return today. He had another one that went for, I believe it was 14 yards. You were talking about a guy that right now is second in the NFL in average return yards per punt and third in the NFL in average return yards per kick. I mean, they've got that dude. And that is such an underrated and you never people don't talk about that part of the game enough because there's been a couple of times this year and part of it's because the offense can't capitalize on it. But there's been a couple of times this year, even though he, he hadn't had that return touchdown where he has given the offense short fields. They just haven't done anything and taken advantage of it. At some point, he's going to break one. And at some point, the offense is going to start taking advantage of those short fields provided to them by an elite returner in Turpin. Now, he's definitely elite. Um, it's too bad you can't see him do his thing on kickoffs. Uh, but on punts, you can tell why he's more dangerous because if you put it up there and you're not, you're not there to cover it and he's got a chance to make decisions and use his speed, he is a, uh, he's something to deal with. Man, I thought he was gone today I just, like too, I thought yeah. he was, just like I thought he was gone on that other 30-yarder last week that got called back after about because uh, somebody had a block in the back. I guess it was uh, boss man fat. Yeah. Uh, he didn't get hit by the kicker. But somebody can get one last block, and then that dude grabbed him and, and took him down. But it was a hell of a return. Yeah, all in all, man. I mean, look, you're you're five and two. You're coming off a twenty six or twenty four to six win. And as wild as it is to say this, and, and I can't believe that this continues to be the case in the NFC East. 
you got to keep winning, man. The Giants won today. They have now won four in a row. The Eagles are 6-0 and on their bye. The Giants are 6-1. and The Cowboys are 5-2. and And frickin' Washington beat Green Bay today. They're 3-4. and So, I mean, you're just keeping pace with everybody at 5-2. and You take these wins, and, and you sit there and go, man, if we were in the NFC South, we'd be too clear of everybody in the division. I'm, I'm going to give you another theory, bro. Uh, I don't know if theory is the right word. Uh, and again, I'm not breaking news. I just noticed this. I, th- I really thought about it last week. Um, but now, here's the deal. Normally, what's the word I, I want to say? Oh, here's the deal, bro. They're playing. And have you thought about this? They're playing two of the worst divisions, I think, in the league. And I mean, normally the NFC North is okay, yeah. and the AFC South is okay, but this year they're not. You know, that's a chance to really pick up some wins there. And so I could see, you know, teams like the Giants winning 10 or 11 this year just because look who they're playing outside. You know, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's true, man. I mean, I, I, I hadn't thought about that. You know, I mean, the, the NFC North is not good. The NFC South is horrible. Every, do you realize that three team or two teams are tied for the division lead in the NFC South? That's Tampa Bay and Atlanta, and they're both three and four. I mean, they've they've got losing teams tied for the lead, and then the Panthers are two and five, and the Saints are two and five. That's the NFC South. You look at the NFC North, and everybody's got to play Minnesota, who's five and one. They're on their bye this week. Green Bay lost today. They're three and four. The Bears are horrible. They're two and four, and the Lions obviously just lost. They're one and five. I mean, that division's crap. No, it's um, there's a chance to make hay. And see, the reason I thought about it, obviously, I was doing the uh, doing the Cowboys work, but the rest, those other two, th- those other three, they could. I don't know if they will, but they could pick up three right there. The AFC South, all those teams are shady this year. Uh, Tennessee is shady. You know, who's the one I always forget? Houston and Jacksonville are no, in that division. Indy, and the Indy, I'm thinking about Indy. Yeah. Indy is shady this year. All those teams are shady. You could pick up three over there. Um, and so I was, and so when I'm doing the math, I was like, you know, they don't really even have to be that good, and they can get to 11 or 12 if they just beat teams that they should beat. Yeah, man. I mean, that's just reality. And I feel like we have this conversation every single week about the NFL and how the parody, I mean, there is more parody than we've ever seen. The only two teams that we really would put above anybody else are Buffalo and Kansas City. I'll give you Philadelphia right now since they're undefeated. The Giants are 6-1, and one, man. The Giants are 6-1. and one. I think they're a product of uh, playing good football and beating bad teams. I mean... Dallas has Chicago next week, who's sitting at two and four, and they play Monday night football on the road against New England. Who knows what what will come out of that game? But you look at Chicago, and I mean, they ha- their offense is god awful. They have the third fewest points in the NFL. I mean, they just don't score. And then, of course, you get the bye, and then you play a Packers team that just got beat by Washington, has lost three in a row, is three and four, and those three losses, by the way. To the Giants, to the Jets, and to the Washington Commanders. Oh, yeah. Um, And Dallas will be catching them after a bye week. And, you know, this is a different kind of team the Cowboys have. Like, I don't – the way Green Bay is playing, I don't expect them to run up and down the field on Dallas. And so I think it'll be a ball game. It's just can the offense put anything together? I I mean – 
Look, let's tell you about a couple of our sponsors because I got some stuff I want to get into, and we'll throw this around taking a look at some of these teams like Green Bay and Chicago coming up. But it's a lot easier to stomach when you go to Smokey John's and you're just enjoying yourself than you can stomach watching this Cowboys offense. Eating Smokey John's is like eating the Cowboys defense. It's just there's so many different things. <laughs> they got a little bit of everything. You know, you like brisket, they got it. You like sausage, they got it. You like the ribs, they've got it. I mean, whatever you're into, it's like the Cowboys defense. They got playmakers all over the board at Smokey John's. Or you can go off menu and get the jam session bowl. I mean, you cannot go wrong at Smokey John's, which is one of the things I love about them. The fact that, I mean, of all the times we've eaten there, and it's like you get something different every time if you don't get the jam session bowl. And every time you're like, man, this is good. And this is good. <laughs> so let's just try it. Uh, yeah, Smokey John's is fantastic. Um, I've been going a little more regular than usual because I've, I've been out of town so much. I just love it when I get back. But, you know, I say when in doubt, go with the jam session bowl, man. It's fantastic. It's that mac and cheese and mashed potato base. Your choice of uh, smoked meat, you get two of them. They put them on a scale, man, so you don't have to wonder if it's stuffed or not. It will be stuffed. And then it's your baked potato drizzle stuff on it, man, mm. from chives and sour cream and butter if you rock like that. Uh. Bacon bits. Oh, chives. Dude. And then, uh, you know, they're closed on Sunday. Otherwise, I might yeah. roll up there today. Yeah, I got to tell you, <laughs> that, hearing you describe that reminds me of a song from... Who was it? Uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the band, but it goes, yummy, yummy, yummy. I got love in my tummy and I feel like loving you. You know that one? I've heard of that. Yeah, that's what I think of when I, when, when I hear Smokey John's. I just think, yummy, yummy, yummy. Want Smokey John's in my tummy. That's how I feel. <laughs> so. All right. <laughs> Go check them out. Smokey John's Barbecue, man. It's in Dallas. It's awesome. It's the best. Enjoy it. Also, of course, man, oh, I got to throw this Ed Werder tweet out that's going to blow your mind. But let me tell you about HFX Foundation Solutions before I tell you about the Ed Werder tweet. Because HFX Foundation Solutions, Aaron and his crew, this is another family-owned operation, man. And, and with the crap that North Texas went through in the summer, with the crazy drought and heat and then the deluge of rain, that just... It effed up foundations. I don't know what else to tell you guys. And so if you're, if you're noticing sticking doors and the cracks and whatnot, you need to call HFX Foundation Solutions. You don't mess around with foundation. Foundation's that one thing. It's a free, no obligation inspection where they can come out and give you peace of mind. If you do have a problem with foundation, you want to catch that as early as you possibly can. And the way you do that is you give your house what we lovingly call a colonoscopy for the crib, man. And you have Aaron and his team come out there and check them out and just give you peace of mind. They give you that once over so that you can see that you got no sticking doors, no sticking windows, no cracks in the ceiling, none of that stuff. Because don't forget, man, it's been a wild summer from all the heat to all the rain, as Matt told you. Give Aaron and his crew a call, 817-770-0174. Tell them you want that colonoscopy for the crib, and I promise you, He'll know exactly what you're talking about. That's exactly right, my friends. It's easy to do. You can give them a call right now if you would like to. They'll come out and see if you do have a problem. 817-770-0174 or online at hfxfoundation.com. So, Edwarder, I mean, again, the Cowboys had five takeaways in the second half today. And Edwarder threw out this tweet. How about this? That is the first time that the Cowboys have had five takeaways in the second half of a football game 
since Super Bowl 27 when they had five wow. against the Bills in the first half of that 52-17 to 17 win. That's how wow. long ago it was that the Cowboys had five takeaways in one half of football. And we all hey. remember that one. Hell yeah. They were just taking the ball away left and right from the Bills that night. Also, I see reports coming out now on Jordan Lewis here. It is a foot strain for Jordan Lewis. He will be evaluated further as the week goes on. But the good news is no fracture, no broken bone. It is a foot strain. Bro, I thought it was his Achilles the way he was moving. Yeah, man. I mean, he couldn't put any weight on that leg. And then getting carted off, I was like, oh, no. I I hope that this dude is not done for the year. So that's really good news. Because that was a sensational play he made. Yeah, it was. It really was a sensational play that he made. So the other thing, we were talking about the Bears and the Packers a moment ago, man. And you look at the Chicago Bears, as I mentioned to everybody, they do play on Monday night, so who knows what they'll end up doing. This is a Chicago Bears team that has a season high in points of 23. They scored, they, here's what they've put up in their games. 19, 10, 23, 12, 22, and 7. Going, that offense... Going up against this defense would lead you to believe once again that if the Cowboys offense can just get to 17-ish points, which, I mean, you kind of laugh about it, but I don't, I don't know that I believe on a weekly basis that this is a team I can trust to put up 20. If they get to 20 on Chicago, the game's over. They will win the game if they score 20 <clears throat> points. Yeah, as long as they don't, you know, and Dak got away with a few passes. Yeah, he did. He did. But it's just about you can play to your defense and special teams until you can't. And so you don't have to force anything. You have to be you have to train yourself. And what did I talk about last week in the column I wrote, man? It's about your ego. It's about, okay, fine. Yeah. I'll check it down or okay, fine. I'll throw it away. Okay, fine. We'll just punt. You gotta be cool with that, man. Because the defense will get your ball back in six plays. You'll get another set and see what you can do. But if they stay away from the turnovers and they don't help the other team, they're going to be hard to beat because of two things, elite defense and elite kicking game. The kicker, the punter, the returner. This year, they're all elite. Yeah, that's very, very true, man. And again, we'll dive into the Bears more so as the week goes on. But just on looking at the initial take, much like the Lions, I don't see anything in the Bears knowing that they have an offense that struggles. They don't do anything well. Justin Fields has absolutely zero playmakers on that offense. I mean, they got Khalil Herbert at, at running back, and he has shown a little bit. He's almost like that Tony Pollard type little bit of burst that he has shown. But outside of that, man, I mean, Chicago's got nobody. David Montgomery, for whatever reason, seems to be the dude that they go to the most. He doesn't really get it done. They can move the ball okay on the ground, but outside, of, I mean, they've got nothing, nothing in the way of receiving options. No, and so they're going to have a tough time with the Dallas Cowboys next year. Well, you know, the thing about it is, man, Justin Fields ain't really making no big plays. You just got to keep your rush lane integrity. Uh, same thing they used to do back in the day with Russell Wilson when he could really move because that's the only thing he can do is create big plays out of chaos. Um, if you make him stand in the pocket right now, He's incapable of beating you either because of his fault or the receiver's fault. Yeah, and I mean, you look at this man and you look at what the Bears have. Justin Fields is completing 55% of his passes, 
four touchdowns, five interceptions. And again, this is just six games. He has been sacked 23 times in six games. And he can move. Yeah. I mean, think about that. The Cowboys, this pass rush, their ability to take away the ball, this just feels like a nightmare. And look, the flip side of this is that the Bears have a solid defense. This feels like just on quick glance, this could be kind of what we saw in the first half today in Dallas against Detroit. We may have an entire game of that because of these two defenses coming up next Sunday. And see, that's the danger point with the Bears. The Bears actually had a good defense, and so yeah. you have to be very careful. You can't give Chicago anything. They're no good. They can't move the ball on you 80 yards at a time, 75 yards at a time. But you start getting them some short fields, you can find yourself with a problem because their defense is such that, you know, you don't want to accidentally fall behind 14 nothing. be trying to fight back against that defense. Yeah, it, it's, it's wild, man. And then, of course, after that, you go into the bye and you get the Packers who, as we mentioned, lost to Washington today. I mean, this is a Packers team. They just don't have anyone. They are Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers and nothing. Nothing. Nope. I mean, they activated Sammy Watkins today to try and see if he could help spark him at wide receiver. Aaron Jones today had nine for 53 to lead them in receiving on 10 targets. And you look at that now with Aaron Jones, he is now tied with Lazard for the team lead in receptions. That's not, I mean, dog, it's, this is all we know, man. You got to have talent, bro. Um, you can have a guy, a bunch of receivers that guys don't know about, and the quarterback could be a star like Aaron Rodgers has done in the past, but there was usually always at least one guy who he could count on. Now he's got nobody, bro. Yeah, they got nothing. And did you see that video he put out last week? Yeah. Or maybe he was asked about it. It was really insightful when he was talking about uh, basically we're using so much motion, our young guys can't really handle it all. Can we just run some freaking plays with no motion? Um now, I, f I find that interesting because remember how we used to rip the Cowboys offense under Garrett for you guys never have any motion. And, it's, and, and Aaron Rodgers said the same thing. He's like, you know, our offense is designed for guys to win one-on-one -on -one battles the way it is now. I came from an offense, the West Coast offense, which is a beautiful offense and it's conceptual stuff. And it's every, I was like, wow, he yeah. loves that offense. He can't stay in this one. <laughs> no, he cannot. And. He's well, not wrong, man. Something. When you got a Hall of Fame quarterback, I think it's just stupid to hire a coach who doesn't run his offense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense when you got a guy <laughs> who can do the things that he can do. It makes no sense. And, and, and you look around the NFL, man, and it's such a – this is – and we're going to say this every week. It's such a wonky league with some of the things that are happening. And, and that, there's a reason why San Francisco looked at this and goes, well, hell, man, why not us? And ended up trading four draft picks to bring in Christian McCaffrey. And you got to love that. I mean, if you're Christian McCaffrey, you got to be just, oh, my God, I can't believe I got out of Carolina. And now I get to go be like Debo Samuel 2.0. It, it feels like they've got two Debo Samuel type players now in that Kyle Shanahan offense. Very curious to see what type of impact over the season that he has, because that was a, a really interesting trade for San Francisco. Well, yeah, I think it gives them – they can do a lot of packages and you don't know where guys are lining up. Or It's kind of like – you know what it's kind of like, man? It's kind of like Micah Parsons in the sense that he, when he breaks the huddle, he might be a linebacker inside. He might be an edge rusher. He might be an outside linebacker. He could be lined up at a lot of different spots, uh, which causes problems for your, de for your defense. And so it's the same thing with um, Christian McCaffrey and Debo. 
Kishan McCaffrey runs great routes. He was a thousand, thousand guy uh, about three years ago. And so he can he can be in the slot and create problems, or you can flex him out wide and he can create problems. Uh, same thing with Debo. He can be in the backfield. Christian can be in the backfield. They can both be there. They can both not be there. They can both be there and motion out of there. That's a whole lot of stuff going on, bro. That is a whole lot of stuff going on, and, and we'll see. But, I, again, this is one of those years where, I mean, anybody can win this thing. Literally anybody who gets into the playoffs this year has a shot at winning the Super Bowl. This, it's just getting to the playoffs. And we'll see what happens because, especially in the NFC, there is no one in the NFC that's unbeatable. And I know Philadelphia is undefeated. Good for them. They're not unbeatable. No, there's no dominant team in the NFC. There's no team in the NFC that scares you. And right now, the Dallas Cowboys have uh, as good a shot as anybody because they got elite defense and special teams. Um, you know, and so it's Matt. I think Matt said this last week, or basically it's just about stacking wins you know it doesn't matter how you get them for right now just stack them and the more you stack it's just see where you are when thanksgiving hits and and the end of the season comes yeah man and and that's where they're at that's why take this win don't care if you think it's ugly or oh it's just detroit who cares man and again we said this last week we talked about it on our last podcast coming into the week there were only 10 teams in the nfl over 500 and that's not going to change much this weekend and the Cowboys are one of them well over 500. And you just keep trying to stack those wins. You got Chicago coming in next week. Get another one. Get to 6-2. and two, Go to the bye. And we'll see what this thing looks like. But right now, I'm taking it. I'm taking a 5-2 and two team with a really damn good defense. Defense is, I don't, and, you know, I think you mentioned it. We got enough little sample size now. Defense ain't going nowhere. It kind of is what it is. At some point this season, they'll have a bad game. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I think they are who they are, barring a catastrophic injury to somebody. Uh, but you say that yeah. by the end, every, every team's, uh, you know, best unit. And so they're fun to watch. And maybe what happened today is we see the return of the turnover. You know, they've been really good, but we haven't seen the turnovers. And if the turnovers are going to come, then, you know, they can do a lot of things this year, bro. Yeah, that's true, man. And and all in all, a win's a win. Second half, I'm taking it. Dominant second half from the defense. Five takeaways. The Cowboys win 24-6. to A couple other things I wanted to throw out before we wrap this one up. The Mavs bouncing back from that loss on the road to the Suns. I mean, they went ballistic on Saturday night in their home opener just absolutely throttled the Grizzlies I was trying to find that stat because it was one of the biggest home opening wins ever it was the biggest I think in Dallas history but in in terms of just ever they beat the Grizzlies by 41 points man I mean they from start to finish it was an annihilation and I think the thing that uh, that came out of these first couple games for me is oh I didn't know Christian Wood was like this he's legit dude Oh, I didn't know he was like that. I and mean, so he is. He had twenty-five and twelve last night. Um, yeah, I can live with that. Um, no, he's 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 woo. He's a lot better than I thought he was going to be. Yeah, and 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 so if he is, that just and he shoots the three, and so now you just have another dimension and another legitimate kind of score. Now I don't expect him to score twenty-five points a game, but if he's going to hover around eighteen. You got all the other guys doing what they do. They're going to end up with six, seven guys in double figures. 
and you know Luca up there at 28 or 30 and, and maybe he doesn't feel like he has to do everything which will make everybody better. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Luca last night, 32, 10, and 7, 10 assists. I mean, it, it, what a game from him. That's 32 points in 30 minutes. I mean, they were lighting it up. The, what did he do from the free throw line? He was 4 or 5. So he has All one right. missed free throw in two games so far this season. Yeah, that's why I was. That's one of those things I was keeping track of. So. Yeah, man. I mean, everybody no, got – There's a little bit from everybody last night. It was fantastic. No, they're off to a heck of a start, and that's a, uh, that's a good thing. Yeah, they, they shot over 40% from three against Phoenix and 44% last night against Memphis. Fantastic start to the season. They just look good because they've, they've got what appears to be realistic depth. Like depth where, because of Christian Wood, I like what Dinwiddie's done in the first couple of games. We'll see. They play again. They got a, a two-game road trip. They'll be on TNT on Tuesday night. They're on the road in New Orleans. And then on Thursday against the Nets when they'll be back on NBA TV. The other thing I wanted to throw out, and we haven't mentioned them, but they are well underway. Dude, the Stars, yeah. the Dallas Stars in this new system with their new coach. Holy They're hell. Machine. They're 4-0-1. And, and they are third in the Western Conference in goals scored through five games. I mean, they are I scoring they goals. score a goal. Man, I, you know, I was talking to somebody about this the other night. There's, oddly enough, a Dallas Stars fan, a guy who's like a big Stars fan that works at the radio station. I, and I have no idea how. But we were talking about this. I was like, man, you know, they've got guys who have really good offensive games. They haven't been in a system that's taken advantage of them. Well, I wondered how it was going to look when I read that uh, he wanted uh, Heskinen to be much more aggressive and, you know, be a much more of a scorer. And, yeah. you know, they they wanted to play some dump and chase, but not really, not if you can carry it in and get your shot off. We just don't have to dump it just to be dumping it. And clearly, he's got the offense cranked up. Pavelski with a hat trick uh, yeah. yesterday. Dude's uh, 38 Jamie, years old with a hat trick. I think Jamie Benn had a couple of assists. And so uh, – Here's the thing I, I thought was interesting. Jamie Benn played like 11 minutes in the first game, like his shortest time in forever. And uh, DeBoers went and said, hey, come holler at me uh, after the game and said, hey, it just kind of worked out this way because you're not on as many special teams. But, yeah. you know, don't, don't think this is, this is the norm. And I thought that was cool for him to have enough awareness like, oh, shit, he didn't really play a lot. Let me, uh, let me hip him to the game. Uh, and so I thought that was a good move for, for a new coach uh, who doesn't really have a relationship with uh, a former star who's closer to the end than the beginning. Yeah, it's fantastic, man. I mean, they've got 10 different guys that have scored a goal. They've got, I think it's six different or seven different guys, six different guys that have multiple goals. Pavelski, Mason Marchment, who they picked up in free agency, scored three. Hints, Robertson, Sagan's playing really well. Haskinen has a couple of goals. So, I mean, I know it's just five games. I know it's just five games. It's a long season. There are going to be injuries. Guys are going to miss time. But, man, it's, it just is a breath of fresh air to see what the Stars are doing, especially with some of the young guys that they have that have offensive talent that they really haven't been able to utilize a great deal because of what the system has been for so long until now. So we'll see what yeah. happens. But it's the Mavs and Stars very, very, very early on, it's, it's a lot of fun. Maybe that's why they told Rick Bonus to just go. It could be, man. Maybe they looked at it and go, look, man, this is an offensive league. We got some guys that can put the puck in the net. Let's get a better system in here. Open this thing up a little bit. Yeah. If you could. And so they did. And that, my friends, is another phenomenal edition of the Jam Session podcast. We'll be back on Wednesday. We'll talk with Todd Archer, start taking a look ahead to Chicago, have some fun stuff for you. But 
All in all, man, I, anytime the Cowboys win and they're sitting at 5-2, and two, I don't give a crap who they've played. I don't, I don't know. They haven't played anybody. I don't care. They're 5-2, and two, which is a hell of a lot better than almost everybody else in the NFL. Hell yeah. I mean, that's just reality right now, man. Welcome to it. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.